Welcome to Journey to Authenticity. My name is Sarah Hart. Join me in the quest to uncover our true self and make aligned choices with relationships, purpose, spirituality, and body-mind. Together with my guests, we share the stories, practices, and perspectives on how we can all live an authentic life. Remove the mask, reveal the real you, and spread your light. Hey, everybody. Today, I have a special guest here on the show, a mentor and friend of mine, Dr. Nima Romani. And we're going to be talking about the inner critic. And this imposter syndrome, I think, is something that all of us who are trying to level up in our lives experience along the way. I know that I have, and I continue to do so. Um, so I think it's a really important thing to be talking about, and uh, Nemo's the perfect guy for that. So welcome to the show, Nemo. Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah. It is an honor to be on your show, and um, just so proud of how far you've come, just watching your development, and I'm a fan. Thank you. I knew I've been waiting seeing... for the, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this moment. I've been <laughs> waiting for this moment to be interviewed by you. This is great. It's all lined up perfectly. Everything happens at the perfect time, as you know and say. So um, I think, first of all, just start, and you can say in your own words, tell us a little bit about you, first of all. Yeah, well, about me, my mess is my message, exactly the same of what you're doing. And in a nutshell, if I can really look from a big picture perspective, um, at the end of the day, starting off like you in, in, the, in the realm of chiropractic, helping people heal from physical ailments, which turn out to be stress-related disorders, I just continued to go upstream with my patients as I kept developing my own personal growth and evolution. It changed what I offered to the clients that came to see me. The more upstream that I would go with understanding emotions and past trauma and healing all of those uh, through cognitive methods, through John Martini's work, uh, Joe Dispenza's work, Byron and Katie's work, the work with you know uh, other personal development companies Warner Earhart all of that stuff i just would i just packaged it in a way where i can offer my my patients something more than just a phys- physical pain relief i went af- upstream to the root cause of the root cause and what i discovered um, in my own um, you know in my own recoveries the discoveries in my own recoveries from divorce uh, relationship breakdown, relationship codependency, uh, trauma, abuse, all of those scenarios, which I helped manifest and create in my own relationships. What I discovered was that the thing that constrains us all is not creating a context of meaning for our lives where we can have healthy relationships, where we can then have a purpose for the relationship beyond using the relationship to complete what's missing inside. So this whole relationship between health, our relationships, and our purpose is all kind of weaved together and tied together. And one kind of feeds off the other and is very much entangled with one another. And so I discovered this on my own and every person that comes in to see me usually is having a crisis of identity of context for who they are in the, in the universe. So essentially I just, what I do is I help people with their health, their relationships by connecting them 
to their purpose and helping give them permission to kind of shine their light to the world like you're doing, very much like you're doing. And in order to do that, you have to overcome the fear of what if I'm not good enough? Yeah, I think that's, you just touched on it there. I think one is completely multidimensional, as you describe. You can't sort of ignore one of them because it's just going to come and boom and surface in another way. But the word permission, that's the bit that really stands out for me. That's what we all battle with, I think. And that's where the inner critic comes into play, giving ourselves mm. permission uh, to step up. Yeah, right. so how does it show up for you then, the inner critic? Well, the thing is, is that the inner critic comes, it doesn't come from you. When I listen to where my inner critic, we all have a different you know, shadow that what I like to call the dark passenger, because I'm a big fan of Dexter. I kind of adopted that. It comes from, well, if for mine, it comes from the words that my parents used to use uh, when, when, when talking to me in, in really, you know, strong language when they were upset at me. And the, those words, and, and, and many people will relate to that. If the words of you're not enough, of, of you're stupid, you're this and you're that, were usually said to us at a young age during a time when our primary caregivers were knocked back into their own wounds and they were acting on their own fears. But what we do is we mistakenly think that you know they are our enemies. We subordinate to those opinions. We don't see the innocence of their harsh language. We see it as a, a predator, prey, a perpetrator, victim type of role. And we stay stuck in bondage to that. And I was very much like that. I basically allowed those voices to sometimes paralyze me, you know, creating anxiety and depression. And, and so, but yet deep down inside, I always had an inner calling to make a deeper impact, just like yourself with my patients. And it was overcoming those those external voices, which became internal ones in the inner critic, to overcome and override them, to give myself permission to step out and say, yeah, I'd like to do talks for my patients. Yeah, I'd like to come to the UK and do a talk. Yeah, I'd love to travel to Australia and give myself permission to create a workshop there. And I had to go through paralyzing fear and resistance in order to do it. And this is a battle that we all have to uh, overcome. It's the dragon that we all have to slay if we want to have an expansive life. And it's and if we allow that voice, if we don't get this relationship right between us and our inner critic, our lives stay small. We stay stuck. We are too afraid to face our fears. Our relationships break down because we have a disconnection from our purpose, even though there's a deep yearning and a calling of our soul to step up into something greater. Yeah, absolutely. And I th I think, again, just this building upon what you said about our childhood experience in there and how we have received kind of the, the stuff from our parents and the things that they've said to us, there's two sides to that. And this is the part I'm fascinated with is that how much of that becomes subconscious programming in belief system, but also, like you said, that you can be paralyzed. How much of that is just internalized body memory and, and which parts playing a role and and how we can tackle that from kind of both sides. Yeah, we, we, what I discovered over this last year of doing my own healing work, which you and I are just watching you along the sidelines going, holy crap, am I just, <laughs> everything you're saying and doing is like, holy crap, we're like living the exact same life. Um, 
it needs to be addressed by both sides. There's a top-down cognitive approach where we then recontextualize those stories, which is important. And as you just said, there's a bottom-up approach where we access the physiological stored memories in the body that aren't accessible just with the cognitive work. And so that's when you, as you know, you've shared as well, you're getting, getting into breath work and nervous system attunement and inner child work and consistent. This is like the day-to-day training, you know, the cognitive work you can do kind of like um, recontextualize, you do an exercise, but the somatic work is a moment to moment thing. It's like in this moment, as I'm speaking to you, am I in my head or am I centered in my body? Am I in my heart or am I in my head? I'm constantly, it's the work of checking in and connecting to breath, constantly checking in and going, you know, how am I holding my muscles in my shoulders? How am I holding the facial muscles? It's constantly letting the body give me feedback, letting my body give me feedback for where my attention is. And the more that I can bring my attention back into my body and use the art of self-regulation, I'm now using the bottom-up approach to healing all of those perceptions of I'm not safe. So mm. it's a two, two it's a two-way street and it's work and it's challenging and it's painful and uh, it's liberating and the alternative to doing this work is pretty unbearable. But it's um, when you get this right, you now are able to have healthy relationships with others because you've now taken that disassociation from yourself and you've now embodied within yourself. So you can now have authenticity. You can have heart to heart conversations and the truth. uh, And the most important thing of all is true intimacy, really knowing yourself so that you can then be known to others and then being able to see and know another. And that's where, that's the result of really this work is this is what we all want in the end of the day. Yeah. And it's our relationships that just trigger and show us that deepest wound. That's just like, ah, are you going to look at it? Are you going to heal? And it's painful. Oh my gosh. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, I now have based on the, the work that uh, I've done just recently and what I, what we teach our clients is relationships. I'm going to give up the fantasy that it's supposed to be kind of like this romantic fantasy all the time. Um, to me, romance is a, is the, acknowledgement in of present of the magic in the present moment it's like boom you can have a romantic moment just very you know it doesn't need to be candy and roses it's literally an acknowledgement in the present moment of a magical intimate connection that's it right um that that's basically what we what we really want from those those relationships but you actually look at relationship as a spiritual practice your job as my partner is to mirror those things within me that I haven't yet loved and for me to look at them and to see the reflection and to actually own the reflection, own what I'm projecting in you and to love all parts of myself. Yeah. So it's a practice and that can only happen through the trigger, through the conflict. So bring it on is what I'm saying is like, it's like when two people are committed to using their triggers as a window to, to healing, to connecting deeper. Now you have a game. Now, now the relationship becomes a practice 
and it becomes very fulfilling because it's functional rather than just you're my partner because you're there to to give me what I'm not willing to give myself. Yeah, exactly. It's soul work. And soul work is full of up and down. It's not that constant. Everything is all roses and glitter and unicorns. It's, it's totally. hard. Yeah, for sure. And if I look at my partner, the person that I'm with is her, her job, uh, his job, whatever your uh, sexual orientation um, is to keep me authentic, is to keep yeah. me real and authentic because it's, you know, your partner's your biggest, baddest bullshit detector. And so uh, if you, I'm not willing to call myself out and tell the truth, then guess what? I, I'm delegating that to my partner to do. So that's really what we're here to do is just to be as truthful as, as possible in the moment. And so I know that because I've been so wearing a mask and trying to play this role for so long and it's been so exhausting and anxiety producing. And it's so liberating to say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I can be a real dick. <laughs> and this is, these are the conditions that, that, that make that so, and this is what I'm working on. And hey, wait, tell me about how you can be a real prick as well. And let's just share our shadow with each other so that we don't have to be pretending all the time. Do you think that imposter syndrome is, is the same voice that can maybe self-sabotage unconsciously in a relationship as well as, let's say, if you want to step up in your career? Totally, totally. You have this set point of what you think you deserve, right? And let's say you start this new relationship and everything is amazing. Everything's perfect. Every level up brings the devil up. And let's say you've now graduated to this new level of conscious awareness in a relationship, your inner saboteur, your inner critic will likely start to act out in ways that expose the part of you that doesn't feel worthy of it. Your work, does that make sense? Your oh, yeah. work is to go, ah, look at what I'm doing right here. Just call it's it out. It's not going exactly to distinguish yourself from the behavior so that you can see it rather than being it. And that is the consciousness work that takes a militant view of yourself, a self exploration, a deep commitment, letting go of attachment. It's, it's like you said, it's soul work and it's um, extremely challenging yet. It's, you know, the work of, continuously falling in and out of love with oneself, you know, and you have your parents there to, you know, to, to mirror that. And they, you know, you trigger each other. It's through the, you know, reactivity and the triggers where the windows are of our unconsciousness. So it's a different way of context of looking at, at relationships, but this imposter syndrome definitely comes out as sabotaging your relationships because if you unconsciously don't feel that you're worthy of it you will start to act out in ways that are exactly in alignment with that belief i've seen it over and over again with the clients that we work with they 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 get what they what they feel like they want and usually when you reach this new milestone of achievement um if you are making it about you rather than the purpose then expect that inner critic that imposter syndrome saboteur to actually try to cut you down. It's just, it's, it's mathematical certainty. Yeah. That's been my experience and doing the Have work. Have you noticed that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes, you know, you can still do so much of this work to break down the triggers and the patterns and et cetera, connect to purpose. But sometimes you can still get caught out in that moment where you're just, it's almost paralyzing, like this stuck feeling. And it tends to be a way to pull myself out is to connect to something greater than myself because I'm making it about me again. Yeah. But um, yeah, right, you can still right. get stuck in that moment. So what would you say to people that are in that moment where they just seem to be quite paralyzed by fear? Well, the first thing that you do is, and I learned this from uh, my mentor, uh, Sky, you know, when I went through that um, deep, dark night of the soul last year, I uh, reached out to a guy who basically became best buddies. And he's a neuroscientist and a medical doctor named Dr. Russell Kennedy. And he basically taught me how to get into my body, that that alarm, that anxiety, that panic, what you just described is a disassociation where you completely leave your body and you go into your head. And what you do is you get back into your body. And he taught, you know, getting into sensation, like putting your thumb and your third finger together and rubbing them together basically gets you into sensation. You can tap your chest and you're now the way to get out of your head is to get into your body. So connecting with breath, connecting with sensation, you're now uh, doing a nervous system attunement. You're now, uh, it's a neurosensory attunement to get your body, get you out of your mind, out of disassociation, into your body, into breath, and asking yourself the question, am I safe in this moment? Mm. And you literally get into your body and then you connect See, the disassociation, the panic, the fear is the inner child, like literally screaming at you for attention. So what you do is you go back and you really nurture that inner child. You talk to little Sarah. You say, Sarah, I'm here. I got you. Sometimes you might even want to, you know, hold the container. And so you have a connection to sensation and you, you got little Sarah and you say, Sarah, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I got your back. It's you and me. I'm here for you. You are safe. You are loved. And that work that you do literally calms the nervous system down, gets you out of fight or flight or freeze. So you're in your body. And now you can think because when you're in that alarm, three quarters of your brain isn't working. Ego has taken over and your body is trying to, you know, save you. It's trying to save you from, from losing its identity. So When you're stuck in that fear, you literally get into your body and you recontextualize the feelings into excitement. This is supposed to be scary. It's okay. It's supposed to feel this way. I got this. It's so funny. I swear, I've said many times you're like a brother from another mother because (laughs) I literally just recorded uh, an episode about this type of exercise because I'm more and more convinced that every single time we get triggered or we have any form of reaction coming from the ego space and not responsive it's it's bringing us back exactly to that moment as a child when we fragmented it's like the disassociation Disassociation. and when we get triggered in real time it's like we've never left and so the only way it's a regression It's a regression and you just get knocked back into your wound and it's a practice sarah it's a practice of continuously um, Mark Wolin, who's the family constellation guru in the world there, he's, have you done one of his, his workshops, Mark Wolin? No, I've done okay. he's, you got to do his, right? He's amazing. What he says is that it's a, it's a wise idea. We are, depending on the level of trauma you've experienced, um, 
you're wise to reparent yourself at least six to eight times a day, which means when you're driving in traffic, when you're in the elevator, you know, for me, I'll look in the mirror and I live on the 37th floor of my building. So as I'm going up the elevator, I'm looking in the mirror. The old version of me is checking out how hot my hair looks. (laughs) The new version of me is looking in the mirror, staring into my eyes talking to my six, you know, three-year-old self saying, I got you. I love you. I'm here for you. You know what I mean? That's the evolution of, uh, of, of how this work has been for me. It's like before when I'm disassociated with myself, I'm checking my hair because I want to look good. I want external approval. I want validation. I need you to give me what I'm not giving myself. The new version of me is like, fuck it. My hair is beautiful. I don't care. I'm just going to stare into my own eyes and really give myself what I thought that I wish that I had externally. And when I resource myself, all of a sudden I step into leadership. All of a sudden that relationship with my inner critic changes because I go, oh, that's not me. That's my inner critic. Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. But what you're describing is like, a, it's a dance with ego. I think this is, this is fascinating. And like, you know, Carl Jung said that the first half of our life is about, what is it said? forming a healthy ego and the second half of our life is going inward and letting go of it. But when it comes to that inner critic and actually stepping up, it kind of is a dance for the two. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel we need some of that ego that's built ourselves up and yeah. we need pure. Yeah. I wrote a song called battle with my ego about this very thing, but this was like four years ago. So I didn't really know about this work. It was just because I have these two sides to me, this one side that really wants to make a difference on the planet and really be of service and just gets off on like seeing somebody's eyes light up when they realize the truth of their life or they've had a suffering that's been relieved because of some of the work that I've done, whether through a chiropractic adjustment or through the inner work that we do together in our program. Um, There's that one part of me, right? And that's the altruistic side. And then there's the other side of me that's the narcissist that just really wants the finer things in life. And so I remember having this battle inside going, okay, so who the hell am I? Am I this guy who's this sweet, you know, servant, humble servant leader of humanity? Or am I this like pig headed, narcissistic guy who just wants to make it all about him? And and, in the truth of the matter is I'm all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am, which one is driving the bus is in a steering wheel is determined by the efforts that I make that day that evening to connect to my higher forces Mm. so I get a say the difference is now I've learned and mass I'm learning to master because it's a it's a work and I'm a work in progress I'm learning because I, I I don't think that there's anything more important in my in, in in life than this because everything whether it's your career your purpose your relationships your health is based on this battle with the ego this dance with your dark passenger um this tango with the inner critic i mean how many euphemisms can i use for this <laughs> um when 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 you get that right um you're now able to distinguish yourself from it whereas most people have no idea that that is a part of them, but they don't have any control over it. <clears throat> yeah, there's no gap awareness. It takes 
over. And so um, Viktor Frankl said, um, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our um, freedom to choose. And in that choice is where our power is. I'm totally paraphrasing it. But because of the challenges of my past last year, what I really discovered was I'm a whiz at taking old past traumas and recontextualizing them to find the gift in them, not only in myself, but for all my clients so that they can be liberated from them. But the problem with me was that I didn't have a very good gap between stimulus and response. In fact, there was no gap. If you said anything to hurt my feelings or that was any in any way criticizing me, boom, my three-year-old, dark passenger, wounded child, inner critic, whatever the hell you want to call it, would basically drive the bus and I did not have any control. And the impact was reactivity. Uh, you know, my team didn't want to be able to tell the truth to me because they were afraid of my reactions. Um, people were afraid to just tell the truth. Um, it, it showed up as volatility and aggression in my relationship back and forth, both, both ways. And it was devastating. And it was a huge wake up call so that I can actually go and make a practice of expanding that space between stimulus and response, filling that gap so that there's a stimulus and then there's a choice. Yeah. Most, most people don't understand that that between stimulus and response impulse um, without mastering that relationship, no, no external relationships can ever really be fulfilling. Yeah. That's that difference between reactivity and responsibility. It's like we have the ability to respond differently. Fascinating how your higher self had already created the path for you writing that song four years ago it's just leading you down the path holy crap i'm <laughs> gonna be careful of the songs i write now for god's sake <laughs> yeah. pay attention it's pointing like holy crap every song <laughs> i'm writing is literally i was like okay i'm gonna write a different song which is really interesting because if you're if you're listening to this um take heed write your write your chapter write the script properly you know uh, according to the outcomes that you'd love to create so yeah very absolutely. very interesting observation so the lesson, though, is always is uh, lean into it, lean into the discomfort, become aware of it, create that gap of awareness. Um, and I suppose yeah. to learn to dance with it, because that inner critic's never going away. No, it's not going away. Every level up brings the devil up. I specialize in transitional anxiety, people who are going from, you know, together to, you know, breaking up, separating, divorcing people who are kind of making the leap out of their careers into something scary. That whole relationship with uncertainty and the unknown is what I've, you know, been making my, my life's purpose to help, help navigate others through. And the, the, the navigation is really about creating confidence in yourself so that you can actually um, approach that ambiguity with, uh, with a level of self-assurance, self-assurance, approaching ambiguity, your, my relationship with discomfort, uncertainty, ambiguity is all determined by how resourced I am with myself, how trusting I am in myself. And that is part of the work of, you know, that stimulus and response, you mm -hmm. know, widening that gap, dancing with your dark passenger and inner critic. And there, I don't know of anything more important than the mastering of this skill. So I've created a program. Actually, you were, that's how I met you. Um, 
to to call, called the intimacy up. It was in your time when you came it was called powerfully aligned. It's now called the intimacy upgrade because what we do is we upgrade the intimacy with yourself, that relationship between stimulus and response, so that it's it, it's kind of like a, a a safe container breeding ground where everybody can practice their relationship with their triggers and vulnerability and authenticity in a safe container so that when you go out in the real world, you're able to have more power and freedom and self-expression. Yeah, it's really powerful stuff. So where can people go? Is it drnema.com? Yeah. Yeah. Drnema.com. I think I can leave a link in, in your show notes to my latest uh, training, uh, the four concrete laws of mastering self-doubt and connecting to purpose. Um, it's a training that I do that has case studies of showing you the steps that you have to do, the, the laws that I had to learn so that I can actually be more connected to my higher forces, expand that space between stimulus and response, and then be in a space where I can create fulfilling relationships with, with others because I have really a, a deeper, more um, fulfilling and connected, embodied relationship with myself. All starts with self. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes and check it out because it's really powerful stuff. It's been really helpful for me along my journey. Um, so I just have one last closing question before we come to the end, Nima. Um, and that is, what is one thing that you know for sure? One thing that I know for sure is that if my if I do not have a conscious connection to meaning in each moment my inner critic will take over and sabotage things but when i connect that moment or that one hour block of time or that one day and i make a conscious connection to meaning and what meaning well it's all empty and meaningless as you know so it's a meaning that I personally invent. It's up to me to invent that meaning because my neurophysiology requires me to be connected to that meaning in order to have a fulfilling life. Uh, Nietzsche said, he who, um, he who has a why can bear almost any how, which means if I'm connected to meaning, I know this for sure, if I'm connected to meaning, I have a more I have more fulfilling relationships, and I I have more confidence in myself. Uh, I feel healthier. Uh, my, I I take I take more uh, inspired action steps towards outcomes that I want to create. And when I'm not connected to meaning, uh, my habits take over my life. That's what I know for sure. That is the truth. Powerful stuff. Thank you. And I just wanted to finish by acknowledging you for your relentless pursuit to master yourself and uh, level up no matter what life throws at you or you attract into your life. Um, what I create, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I take full responsibility for it. <laughs> yeah, I can use that language with you, exactly. You invite into your life so that you can help others. So thank you very much because you've been an important part of my journey as well. I'm so thrilled, thrilled to be on the show. Thank you so much. I hope that this episode has helped you gain new insights in your quest to discover more of who you are. If you want to stay connected, then head to journeytoauthenticity.co.uk and subscribe. I'd love to hear some of your takeaways. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.